This is No Ball Podcast, a podcast where I, Scott Hill, alongside my good friend Ben Stacy, chat all things Premier and Champions League football. While we may not be experts, we do certainly know ball. Hope you enjoy. Welcome one, welcome all, back to No Ball Podcast. As always, I'll be your host today, Scott Hill, and I'm joined here by my good friend, Ben Stacy. How are you doing today, Ben? Dude, I'm doing great. Uh, dude, I had a bowl of Chipotle for the first time in a while. And, dude, do not, like, get the red sauce. It is, it's like, it doesn't even taste <laughs> good. And, dude, this shit, like, ruins my stomach every time I get it. So today I had to go green sauce. I feel like 10 times better. Hey, yeah. I, I'm going to take the fresh salsa there, the little mild <laughs> joint. Keep I, it like, easy. Dude, I like, I always switch up my order and I don't know why. And sometimes I'm like, dude, I want the red sauce. Like, I just want it spiced today. And I just know that it's like going to end terribly. But <laughs> every yeah. time, dude, I just like, I just need to like remind myself, just like go anything that's not the red sauce and then I'll be fine. For sure. Love to hear it. Um, hopefully that green sauce stays calm here. Oh, we have a we have a pretty awesome last week of football from around the world to go over. Um trying to think here. I think the best place to start would unfortunately be with the news that Steve Bruce is out as Newcastle manager. And really I see it as the beginning of the Newcastle takeover era. You know, Bruce was someone who sort of signified, symbolized everything that was the Mike Ashley era, unfortunately. And I think him being out really opens the door for a new era to begin. So if you wanted to start us off, get us get us going into that, go yeah, for it. No, so I think Steve actually had his like a thousandth game uh, the other night. So it wasn't only his like a thousandth game, but it was his last game at Newcastle. And I don't really know who he takes over here. I mean, maybe Watford uh, come calling. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. It's, I don't know. I like Steve Bruce. I think he's a quality manager and I see why they got rid of him. And with all new management, they, they want to get a new kind of face to the new, uh, the club itself. I just don't know who they, they go and grab right now. It's Eddie Howe. He's like the leading front runner for the job. And I don't know how that necessarily makes the team better. I, I think, honestly, Eddie Howe is like a step down as far as management, even though he kept Bournemouth in the Premier League for so many odd years as such a, like a small club. But he played such a boring brand of football, and like he was saved by uh, Callum Wilson a lot. Sure. I, I, just, I don't know. Like I, It's the new beginnings, but like people think that all this money is just going to turn this club into – you know, a powerhouse. This is going to take like three years, three or four years before it really starts impacting the league. I yeah, think. I definitely agree with that. I think it's a real tough one, right? Because if we really are being legit about this, that squad is garbage and it's extremely unbalanced. I think, mm -hmm. you know, minus Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maximin and Joe Willock, really that squad is champions league or champions championship quality not champions league yeah and really the whoever comes in has two massive jobs on their hand because one they need to keep them in the league this year and that's massive and they also need to start building something and really when you take a look at the squad 
there's nothing there really to build on minus a few quality players. So yeah, like you said, Eddie Howe's been touted around. I've heard Paolo Fonseca over there from Italy after the the Spurs saga from the summer. Mm-hmm. I've heard uh, Roberto Martinez, uh, the Belgian manager. And then, you know, you're always going to have the likes of Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard looking to either break into or start or restart their yeah. Premier League managerial career. But like you said, I don't know who comes in. I don't know what they're going to do, but they really do need to keep this club in the Premier League, in my opinion. And dude, they have they had Joe Linton starting on the left as an out like as a winger when he's an out and out striker, and he can't even do like that right. So the the squad is lacking extremely bad, and they have um, Isaac Hayden starting in the midfield. He is a mediocre at best. They, John Joe Shelby had a terrible twenty minutes on the pitch against Spurs the other day. Like, yeah, that was abysmal. Is, his team is shambolic, and it's it's so bad. And there's not like, – the, this is why, like, the Newcastle fans are so excited with all this new money, and they're like, oh, man, like, we're going to buy early Holland. And, like, it's funny banter and all, but this team is in real trouble, like, just now. Like, if they go down, yeah, they still have the money, but you lose all this kind of revenue – and it doesn't make it any easier. So this team's in real trouble, and they need someone to steer the ship straight. And there's no David Moyes, like, you know, available right now. Brandon Rodgers, there's no way he's leaving Leicester. Eddie Howe is maybe their best option, but it's not the end-all. Like, this is not – Eddie Howe would not be the project that they want to surround this around. He would be like more of a savior and they'd move on next year. I, without a doubt in my mind, they just pay him out, out his contract and, and they move on within a year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just today, this is recorded on a Thursday. We saw Jose Mourinho's Roma get actually drogged by uh, some random Europa conference league team. So maybe he's twerking for him a little bit there. <laughs> Come and get me out. But uh, yeah. if I, if I really had to pick a manager, to uh, take over this team and sort of build a project around. I can't lie. I'm picking Frank Lampard. One, I think, I think he would take this job. I think he wants back in the prem. And two, I think he's quality enough to save this team at this moment, keep him in the premier league. And three, I think he's talented enough as a manager to put your faith in somewhat of a project, because mm-hmm. if we're being real, these owners are going to want to spend in January yeah, And if they're going to be spending in January, I don't think they want to be spending massive amounts of money to build a team around Eddie Howe, personally. Eddie Howe, yeah, did, no. he did quality things with, with Bournemouth. He, he's a top guy, you know. But I think if they're going to be spending this money, this first managerial appointment needs to hit, and it needs to hit hard. Yeah. Like, they need to start building something here. And, and we've talked about it before. There's a reason why so, so, so many people have them relegated at the beginning of the season. And genuinely, until I see something, you know, either a managerial appointment or a signing, I still have them getting relegated. I do think they're one of the bottom three teams in the Prem at this moment based on squad and I just, and form specifically. They've been absolutely dreadful for the last six, eight months. And yeah, just to be honest, 
until I see something, I still have them going down. And wouldn't that just be hilarious? Yeah, no, and that you're exactly right. And I think Frank Lampard is a great shout because, well, one, that guy loves to spend money, and you saw that. But managerially, like, he actually had a pretty good stint at Chelsea until the end. Yeah. He took one of the youngest Chelsea squads and put him in the top four. And that was honestly not really expected from Frank. Now, the expectation for Frank was to do that. But I think with like Tammy and and Callum Hudson Adoy, and that team just wasn't necessarily finished up top. And he took that team and and got him in the top four, got him in Champions League, and then started building his own team. And and yes, it didn't turn out. Timo Werner honestly is more of a hit or more of a miss than a hit so far. But he's still a quality player nonetheless. It's just what the expectations for him were way different. I think yeah. Lampard could take this team. And at least he would earn the respect in the in the dressing room immediately, as far as a legend of the game and his um, not as successful, but um, his stint at manager uh, at managerial career so far has been you know decent. So he'd earn respect immediately. And there's a pretty young squad there, not a lot of old heads, but there there's some captains in there that you can rely on. Newcastle are in a lot of trouble, but I think if they get the manager right, they could be saved and they could start rebuilding looking into the future. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It it really is going to be like a decade-long process just based on where this club has been the last decade, the highs of you know fifth place, the lows of relegation battle year in, year out. And this first managerial appointment really, really is going to be huge. Definitely. And I know I saw Fabrizio Romano come out and say that, you know, they were leaning more towards weeks to decide this than days. So news might be few and far between. I don't remember the name of the guy they got in as a caretaker manager, but he wasn't some, you know, massive name. But probably just some assistant, something like that. It, it's whatever. Yeah. But with Steve Bruce out, and I think I saw Alan Shearer is like the, he's some sort of, you know, tie in between the, the new Saudi owners and the club to like sort of bridge the gap. I think the true, the takeover is definitely beginning and mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Definitely. I think with that, we can move on to last game week in the Prem here. We were treated to some pretty quality games, some pretty boring ones, but. I think a good place to start would be the first game of the game week. And that was the Ranieri era at Watford beginning with an absolute clobbering by Liverpool. Uh, Just really not a whole lot to say about this game. I mean, 5-0, it never really looked competitive. There are at times players on Watford, if we really want to name names, Danny Rose, they looked like Sunday league players at best. And Really, he's probably taking a look at this and thinking, how am I going to work my magic here? But if you got anything to say on this game, I would love to hear it. Well, it if there is a debate on who's best in the world, Salah just keeps on improving that case. Like he, he just does magical things in the box, and he just keeps on proving it like week in and week out. And it, it's just amazing to see him play. And it's also nice to see Firmino kind of get back on the scoring. Like, you know, she, he seems to be kind of like hit or miss last year. 
and to have a hat trick that was huge for him i think and that could definitely lead into you know some better form going forward and another amazing thing was is that literally every liverpool player looked to have like their best game in them that day and that rarely ever happens and the only one that kind of seemed like off was was mane he didn't really seem like he was having the best day but he still grabbed a goal which was yeah. like it it was just one of those days for Liverpool where just everything was clicking and Watford had two or three decent chances and they just didn't really hit the, that Hernandez kid looks to be a pretty exciting player, but the, the qualities in the teams was just so like, you know, the highest of the high and the lowest of the low for teams. And, and dude, you brought up Danny Rose. That was quite possibly the worst performance I've ever seen Danny Rose have. <laughs> that dude looks absolutely horrible. he looks terrible dude he, that and like for Nico Williams to just do him in like <laughs> it was so bad dude. he got spun by Nico Williams on dude, the right wing all there. players you want to get spun by Nico Williams is the last one <laughs> it was just so bad but dude yeah just you know hats off to Liverpool what a game that was yeah cool. I mean if you really think about it this game could have been a lot, lot worse for Liverpool because coming off an international break, just from being a fan of the club and following them, I know that some of their worst performances have been off the back of international breaks. And, you know, uh, missing out on Fabinho and Allison because they had to quarantine after uh, their Brazil games. You know, a, a midfield three of Henderson, Keita, and Milner – Looking at that before the game, I was a little nervous, but it was just so fluid, and they dominated the game in the midfield, and I think that allowed the attacking players to do what they did. And, and yeah, like you said, Salah just keeps – he keeps proving to me that he is the best player in the world. Not that that matters, but seeing Firmino get a, a Ronaldo-esque hat trick of tap-ins was awesome. <laughs> just full of good vibes there, and I think that followed yeah. into – into the Atletico Madrid game. We're not going to go deep into it, but I think good vibes all around the club. I'm feeling, I'm feeling 2019, 20 season vibes right now. Uh, yeah. Little like league chase here. And I'm loving every second of it, dude. And it, it's Kata season, man. He absolutely dude, that, was that, that volley that he had against Atletico. Holy smokes. Yeah. He caught that out. one. Dude, Sweet. he caught that one out. So dude, yeah, it's, it's Kata season. And he's uh, as long as Thiago just, you know, keeps going to brazil you know you'll have more time to play so absolutely i think we can move on to another decent game actually regardless of the scoreline uh chelsea were able to sneak past brentford grab all three points brentford continue to show that they are not only incredibly hard to stop attacking wise they also have some defensive solidity too and really just Everything I see from them week in, week out makes me think that this is a prem staple for years to come. That mm -hmm. might be a slight overreaction, but I think Chelsea were pretty much outplayed throughout this entire game. Oh, definitely. And then they just have their brick wall and goal. You know, Mendy coming over to replace Keppa last year. You know, he was probably never meant to be the end all be all number one. He's probably more of just a stopgap, but. He's really has become one of the better keepers in the in the entire league in the entire world. And yeah, if you have anything to say on this game, yeah, dude. And like, first off, so Mendy, he had probably one of the like 
he had the best game of the weekend for sure. And I think he's a little underrated as far as being one of the – not one of. I think the best keeper in the Prem. I mean, you know, you, you look at Allison and you look at um, Ederson and you even have um, – Man, who am I even missing? You have, you know, Schmeichel. you got Larice, you got Schmeichel, yeah. And you know, Larice has definitely fallen off more or less, but it's mostly been between the two Brazilians. I think Mendy's kind of slipping in there and has kind of, you know, become the like best pure shot stopper of anyone in the prem, and he, and he really showed it that day. And and the bees just dominated, dude. The whole game, it was, it was. I was honestly surprised that Chelsea got away with a win here. That was amazing that they did because they only ended up with one shot on target within the whole game, and the bees had seven. So yeah. you know this is a super embarrassing like performance, but to get away with three points, you know that just kudos to them, and and that's why they're in first. If they can get a win after looking terrible, you know it that that's what wins you leagues. And I, I still don't have them as my favorite. I still think Liverpool are the favorites, but if they can keep rolling off performances like this, where they look like absolute dog and there's nothing going for them and they get a win, that is, you know, huge for them in the future. And and just, and it goes to show Brentford too, you know, they're playing against the best, the best, and they're putting their best performance out every, every week. You know, this was probably like a similar performance, like to Arsenal, just a different result. So, yeah, you know, yeah, you're spot on there. I think, I think what makes uh, a team favorites is their ability to win when they're off of it. And that's all Chelsea have been doing under Tuchel for being real. I don't think, I don't think anybody really watches a Tuchel Chelsea side and is like, yeah, this is one of the best teams in the world. But if you look at their record, they are. And, mm-hmm. you know, they got in the summer, they brought in Lukaku. He hasn't necessarily hit the ground running, but he's a, just another player they added to that team where, if they aren't even really on it, he can pop up with something magical, get a goal, next thing you know, three points. And, you know, he wasn't that guy on the weekend, but I think they have players basically all over the pitch who can pop up with a goal when it's needed. And they also have the defensive structure. And like you said, one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the league. And really, those things combined just make it feel like they're almost unbeatable at times. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I know Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku are going to be out for the next, quote, few games. You never really know what that means. Uh, Their fixture list isn't very hard. They got Norwich and Newcastle coming up. But it'll be interesting to see how they cope, if they change anything, or if Tuchel just goes ahead and says, this is how we're going to play, sticks Havertz up top and says, get us a goal. Yeah, no, Dev. And that's the thing about Chelsea in – that's this is the same thing that kind of was with City for the last few years is that their backups are a starting lineup for the Prem, like at, at any team. You know, yeah. they they have so much depth and so much quality at every single position. I think the only position that they really lack a lot of depth and a, like a depth as far as quality is center half. Uh, you know, they only have Christensen, Rudiger, and Aspie's kind of a, a mix between right back, center half. Yeah. And, other than that, I, I they have you know Chaloba and he seems to score every time he starts, but I, I wouldn't rely on him to be a consistent starter week in week out. 
you know, I, I think Kurt Zuma would have been someone nice to have, but I know he was looking for a bigger role and, and West Ham is a great landing spot for him to play as True. much as he can. But I, I, if there's one, you know, chink in the armor of Chelsea, it's at center back and they have, they have that crazy ass man in Rudiger and they have, you know, Aspie. It, it, it's night and day with Aspie and Rudiger, dude. Like, you have the dude that's, like, super sane. You know, he, he's super reliable. And then with Rudiger, you have no clue what you're going to get. That dude is just bonkers. So, yeah, totally agree. And you, there's one man you didn't even mention. That's Tiago Silva. True, and yes. Okay, he's there, he, too. He is getting up there in age, but he's shown that he's still one of the top-class center backs in the world. And... You know, we got the January window coming up. They have three uh, three fronts they're going to be attacking. They got FA Cup, Champions League, and League uh, Hope. And, you know, don't put it past Chelsea to blow another 60, 70 million. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, there's going to be someone on the market. I, I guarantee they probably get another center half. I don't see why they wouldn't. I think one of them starts falling off as far as performances. And, and Tuchel just doesn't put up with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it'll, Very true. They're going to probably bring in another center half, maybe even another midfielder. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. I think that can move us straight on to the Arsenal Crystal Palace game. A bit of an interesting one. I think that Arsenal were overall probably the better team on the day, but Lacazette was forced to step up, become that guy, and rescue a point for them in the dying minutes. I know as an Arsenal fan, you came into this one expecting a similar sort of result, if not worse, for Arsenal. Yeah. And really, when you think about it, Crystal Palace have put in decent performances, but their results aren't quite there yet. And this is just another example of a game where, you know, they weren't really the better team, but they could have easily gotten the three points. And I think, I think Vieira is definitely showing that. He has what it takes to manage at this uh, the, this level. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to go into any sort of thoughts or ideas you had with this game. No, yeah, it. that game was honestly it, – it. if you watch the game, and I, I was watching some of it. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. But Arsenal have – they had control of the game pretty much the whole game. The two goals that they gave up were both on lost possession in the midfield. And that's just things that you you cannot have happen. And one of them was, I believe, a bot, like it was a throw in, I think. Partey was kind of caught out. He kind of gets like, you know, shoved over and it leads to a goal. It was in our own half. And then another one was when Sambi, you know, a young guy, he's new to the league and he's just got to understand that. You know, like, you cannot lose the ball in the midfield, period. It was more towards Crystal Palace's half. They counter, get a goal, and it's 2-1. You know, now you're down at home. And that that's the scariest thing that you can have because now they, all the pressure's on you, you know, especially late after you kind of had a pretty decent first half and a nice start. But this Arsenal team, dude, they, they just – they seem to be so full of just – more like mediocrity and just you know things that just kill you like within games and they got saved by Lacazette but that game was so close like my my certified hot take was so close to hitting and I was almost like happy that it almost did hit because I I just (laughs) knew that it was going to happen like Arsenal 
have these games where they just fall off and it, it's just it's just not good enough and i don't i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the players i don't know if it's the tactics i know we're young but like there's just not an excuse for these kind of mistakes yeah honestly the way i've been seeing the last few weeks i think arteta is setting them up pretty well and it seems like they have a good balance of being able to control a game and being able to counter and sit back a little bit. Like you said, though, that midfield was pretty abysmal for them on the weekend. Those two mistakes were massive. And those two mistakes were why Crystal Palace were able to, you know, not necessarily be on it that day, but still get a result and probably were thinking they should have got the three points. But like you said, Crystal Palace... Like we've said in the past, Crystal Palace are extremely likable. They got tons of talent. You know, Gallagher is just – he kind of destroyed in the entire Arsenal midfield that Dude, game. he looked awesome and, that game. He looks yeah. really good. Yeah, he looks scary good. It's just, like you said, they Arsenal have one of the largest capacities for errors in the entire Premier League, which is weird to say. It just seems like every single one of their players is capable of – one pretty terrible error game and that just to me i'm not sure if that's managed like any sort of managerial error or if that's just the players being the players that they are and but i think it, i think it definitely goes to recruitment because jaka and then david louise were both of the two most like mistake prone players and especially as far as david louise just like on ball situations but as far as jaka like just disciplinary like issues and like it just doesn't – and I, I'm just ranting, but, like, this team, it's so easy to just get infuriated by this team. And, like, kudos to Crystal Palace. They played a great game, and they, they played exactly how they should have to win this game. I don't think that talent for talent-wise, Crystal Palace is above Arsenal, but they sat back, they absorbed pressure, and then they they – pressed when they needed to press when the certain players were on the ball they pressed and that's how that they got the lead and they should have won the game that that mm-hmm. game should have been done and dusted but they allowed the a ball to bounce around off a corner and Vieira was just like dude you saw it like he was like heartbroken that they lost yeah. the game he like he fell to his knees man like he wanted that one so bad and you could it see it would have been massive yeah and dude for him and for him to come in an Arsenal legend and steal three points, dude. And like, met like, mind you, like he could be Arsenal's manager right now. Like he was definitely like one of the prospects that you could have had to come in at manager, and he's doing a phenomenal job. So, ugh. yeah, Arsenal got a point. You know, it's better than nothing. It's better than yeah. It's better than losing at home. You know, we snuck out with a draw. Thank God. You know, you can go to home maybe with a little bit more sleep, but yeah. Absolutely agree. I think that goes. That probably just puts that game to bed. Best to move on yeah. to probably the bit. Actually, definitely the biggest game of the weekend with a lot of narrative around it, and that was the Leicester Man United game. I mean, first off, what an absolute watch this was. Second off, how does Ollie still have a job? And I mean, everything just kind of came to a head this game. It felt like there were times in this game where. Neither team had control. There were times where Leicester controlled but didn't create, and it just it had it all basically. And I know Ali is one of the hottest topics 
across all sports at this point. And I know you had some stuff to say about him, but yeah, if you want to just go ahead and go right into it, dude, he, I, I, I he's finished. I, I just yeah. don't see it any other way. He got, and he got lucky yesterday at Atlanta, dude, Cristiano Ronaldo saved his job because he's going, he's going to go home this weekend against Liverpool and it's not looking good, dude. They, they have, it's just the, the way they play just, it doesn't suit who they have, which is amazing because they have great talent, but this guy, like he's actually, he, he's actually not doing, he, he is the issue. It, it has to be, it, it's not the players because he's setting up the players poorly and not in situations to where they can win games. And with a team that has this much talent and this much prestige, you have a guy that had no managerial, you know, background as of late. He, he had no experience in the prem. You bring him in and he, you know, he does a so-so job. All the managers that you brought in have done a so-so job and that had more prestige than he did. Mm-hmm. And you fired him immediately. This guy has gotten away with so much garbage and it's just – it's not acceptable for a club at this level. If I'm a Manchester United fan, I am fuming right now with how my club is being ran. I don't care who you're bringing in. Dude, Cristiano Ronaldo's great. That's awesome. Ali is not the guy. That, that, that I don't know how you can't see that anymore now. And I don't know who's on the market that you could get right now because you've missed numerous opportunities. Pep's not leaving. If Pep's leaving, he's going to PSG because that's where Messi is. Klopp yeah. is not leaving. Like, who else is there? You know, you know, do you want Jose Mourinho back? Like, no, like it's you, you, this team is in trouble and they've been in trouble. This team is in trouble because they don't have a whole lot of time left. Ronaldo's back for only so many years. They got Varane. This is like, this is the trophy year. This is it. Yeah. This is not happening. Like it's not happening. The the team is not set up correctly. The players, it, it seems like he doesn't have the locker room. Because it's just the constant, like, just bitching from the players on the field. It's uh, honestly amazing to see. Like, it's almost as bad as Arsenal. Like, I, it's just, it's so abysmal to see. And, and it's sad to see a, a team of this magnitude just fall so far and then just be okay with mediocrity. It's just, it's, it's sad because you're getting passed up. You're not even, you're no longer the best team in Manchester. You know, that's, that's gone. You know, so and it yeah. it upsets me as you know someone that wants the league to be competitive, and I think that with United being you know a top top team, you know this it makes the league better. But it, it just like I, if I'm a Manchester United fan, I, I'm just not happy right now. Yeah, definitely agree. That was very powerful. I liked what you said there, all of it basically. A um, couple things I wanted to add on to that is. A lot of the talk I hear about this Manchester United team is that they lack a six, you know, their midfield is garbage, whatever. And while that might be true, I think expecting that Ali should have the perfect 11 is just dumb, in my opinion. I think there have been teams, the top coaches basically in the world don't need a perfect 11. I think a lack in quality of center mid should not be so apparent as it is right now. And I think a lot of the issue with what's going on is that Ollie's tactics do nothing at all to cope or hide the deficiency that they have in midfield at all. It seems like he puts out a team and basically says, you know, front four, 
please ball out. Like we'll just leave everyone else out on a plate and hopefully like we don't get countered. And to me, if you know that your center mid is basically one of your weaker positions, why are you setting it up that way? You know, just a few examples, Pep Guardiola, he won a hundred points in the premier league with Danilo at left back. Tuchel last year won the Champions League with Chelsea, who had no goal scorer at that point. And Klopp had a Liverpool team with Lovren and Karius going to the Champions League final. So to me, there's plenty enough talent in this team to cover their lack of DM. And it really just comes down to a lack of quality in their manager at this point. And all I can say is he clearly has the backing of the United hierarchy right now and at least of some of the players as you can see from that three two midweek comeback you know you had the whole uh the whole support there singing ollie's at the wheel whether that was a joke or not i couldn't really tell but like you said who comes in that's employable right now that does a better job and the name i hear a lot of main united fans want right now is zinedine zidane and he is probably capable of handling the talent that's in that locker room, but I haven't seen a whole lot of, of him tactically that would make me think that he could, you know, fix how the squad is playing. It seems like he's more of a similar to Ali, just, you know, here's my starting 11. They're going to work for me. You know, I'll set them up for success. And then, you know, I just, like you said, I don't know who comes in, but it does feel like it's at the end of the road and they have a huge game coming up this weekend where I don't know if a result here takes him to a different position at all within the United hierarchy, like whether a loss here puts him more on the hot seat or if a win here like gives him, you know, X more months, but it does seem like he's nearing the end of the road. Dude. And it's just, it's the fact that he has been just given so many opportunities that not a lot of other managers have had. They haven't had it this much amount of time that are, are better managers than him, like statistically. So that obviously tells me that, you know, that, that they're giving, they're backing him. And I'm like, okay, if you're backing him, then why aren't the results like coming in? Like if he's having this much time and he has way more talent than the last few managers have had with a lot more assets, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. And, you know, and you, you're right. They don't have a quality defensive midfielder and they honestly haven't. And with the addition of Matic, Matic maybe his first year there was quality after that. And like, even with, I think even with Juan Mata, Juan Mata came in and, and it was kind of like, what, like why and he had like one or two good seasons and that was it. And now he's just some role player. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, anyway, back to like the Leicester game, they got absolutely pummeled. And Yuri yeah. Thielman's was probably had his most dominant performance that I've seen him play. Like this kid, you know, coming up, he came up through Andalect, and you know, it was he. He's this like awesome, like you know, kid. He's coming through this Belgium talent, and it seems like Belgium's just popping out wonder kids left and right. Now it's like, um, what De De, Le, De Ketelaire. Yeah, he's like another big. He comes for plug, uh, Club Brugge. Another big Belgian kid coming through. But, like, Yuri Thielmans is a real deal, dude. Like, he is here to stay, and he's going to be either with Leicester 
for a while or a big, big club is going to come in and want him because that dude absolutely dominated all aspects of the pitch that game. And it made Paul Pogba look like some $20 million signing. Like he looked like comparably like it was night and day, dude. Yuri Tillman is a real deal. Um, Yeah. Tillman's just, he does it all really. That's the thing that most surprises me about him is that I knew coming up, he was talented Funnily enough, mostly from FIFA, he was one of those like go-to Wonder Kid signings. Oh, yeah. I knew he was. I remember that. I knew he was uh, really good going forward. He he was tidy on the ball, you know, skillful, good with the pass. But one side of his game that I've seen him develop is that he controls the tempo of a game really well. Like he receives a ball, knows where he's going with it, and you know gets the game going as fast as he wants it. And yeah. that type of trade in a player is not easy to find especially in a player that's under 25 still i think he's like 24 like what is he 24 maybe and he's just now entering his prime and like you said i don't see him staying at leicester personally i think a big team will go in for him and just about any team in the world can do with a midfielder of his quality personally yeah and and just two more players that really kind of stood out greenwood had that absolute rocket the yeah. first goal of the game dude i think i, I think i might have been wrong on my uh, my tier list after seeing that i was like holy like this dude really is like that you know two foot finisher like anywhere on the pitch like it really doesn't matter dude that dude could shoot it from his from the opposing like you know 18 yard box and that thing might go in you know he just right. that was a rocket and and you know james madison had you know, a really like good game for like missing kind of like earlier in the season and looking like he wasn't really in like Rogers' plans, and then he just came out and just kind of torched that back line. Like it looked, it, it just was an absolute like dominating performance by the Foxes, and it, it just it was just so bad from United. And I understand that they didn't have Varane, and you know Maguire was kind of hurt, but they're a pairing that you know Maguire and Lindelof have been a pairing for what? How long? Like two seasons, maybe. And Season you know, you had Juan Basaka in there. He's supposed to be this super ultra defensive, like you know, uh, right back. And I, I believe Luke Shaw was in. Like that back line should be well sturdy enough. But it, like again, dude, they're missing that number six. Fred is not that guy. McTominay goes forward way too much. Pogba is a cam. He's a tech yeah. midfielder. There's no one else. They they have to go in for a defensive midfielder at some point. Yeah. I think this is a big game for both the teams. Hopefully Lester take this result and try to build on a little bit after a bad start. And then as we've said this whole podcast, it just seems like United are not trending in the right direction, regardless of a of a midweek comeback. But I think yeah. that just about does it for our for our game week wrap up there, we had a few games for this next weekend. We wanted to quickly go over before finishing out with our hot takes. One game that I think you've said it best, the Saturday slate is pretty bad, but the Sunday slate is actually really solid. Couple, couple standout games there. A lot of narratives around that. I think that starts with West Ham Tottenham. Two teams which look evenly matched at this point, which is crazy to say. But I honestly see a West Ham win here more than anything. I think that I saw Tottenham lost today in the uh, Conference League, and I just haven't seen a single 
legitimate performance out of them this whole entire season. And mm -hmm. except for that one zero, I I'm going to call it a fluke at this point Win over man city in the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. I think they aren't structured enough defensively to play the way that they do. And I think they don't have enough going forward other than Kane and son to supplement any sort of goals. So I'm yeah. calling a West Ham win here. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. And it's at London Stadium, so it, West Ham's home. And not that like London is a far drive for Spurs, and but the atmosphere is definitely the difference maker in that. But the difference between West Ham and Spurs right now is that West Ham have a solidified starting eleven and they know who's gonna be starting in week in, week out. Now there might be some interchanges in between that, but for Spurs right now, I have no clue. Who's going to be starting on the given day? Like, Deli Ali has fallen off a, a fucking cliff, dude. What happened to this, dude? Yeah. Deli Ali, like, I don't know what happened to him. Like, Tangi Numdembele is, like, the starting cam now for them as far as, like, attacking midfielders go. Um, Son's really been the only one hitting off this season. Uh, Kane finally scored and assisted in a game. Um, and it was against Newcastle, you know, just earlier this week. You know this the Spurs team is is in some serious trouble. They they don't look as quality as they you know made it look to be against Newcastle. Newcastle one of the worst teams in the league. You should get a result there. They nearly blew it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really cover the Newcastle Tottenham game, but it was just another one where facing a better team on a better day they would have definitely lost. And really, you think you summed it up well. They're not in trouble of going down, obviously, but, you know, this team should be shooting for Europa League at the least, and yeah. it just doesn't seem attainable right now. No, it seems I, like West Ham are more likely to be that team going there. Dude, definitely. Cause, well, their players are playing, you know, in form, and they have, a, like, a solid starting 11. They know who's starting in week in, week out. Like, and they know what each other are doing. Mm -hmm. and, and it's – unless some massive injury happens to, you know, Mikel Antonio – then I'd be a little bit concerned because then you have Yarmolenko coming in as striker and it just doesn't, you know, scare me as much going forward if I'm a team going up against West Ham. But this team, like, you know, David Moyes has put a really nice squad together for West Ham and West Ham are now a competitive threat again in the Prem. So, you know, Spurs Absolutely. need to really watch themselves. And, and Nuno, honestly, if he's not on, like, at least a little bit on the hot seat, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Maybe I'm, like, biased or something. But, you know, not that Mikel Arte like Arteta isn't on the hot seat either, but Nuno has not had a great start at Spurs, like, at all. So No, you're absolutely right. It's something to look out for. I just think that game will be an interesting one just because of how the two teams play. Neither one of them really wants the ball, and I think that could lead to some, some interesting things happening in that game. But – Moving right along to the second Sunday game, that is Brentford-Leicester. This one, just looking at the two teams, I just feel like good vibes from this game. I don't know why, <laughs> Dude, but definitely. I just see a lot of entertainment in there. And, you know, we've talked at length about Brentford and Leicester both this season. Two teams sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, Brentford starting off a lot better than expectations and Leicester starting off a lot worse, but... That 4-2 win over United last week, I just I feel like that's such a good springboard for Leicester. And 
I think they carry that into this game and and maybe sort of reality check Brentford here. I don't know why. I just I see them as the team to you know go to Brentford here and and get a result. I don't know why. I just that's the vibe I'm getting here. Yeah, I think honestly, you know, I I don't think just the way that Leicester played lately. Yes, this like Manchester United game was like a really big springboard. But Brentford so far have showed me no reason to believe that they, you know, this this hot streak is ending anytime soon, especially with an up and down team right now like Leicester. I think there's a perfect perfect opportunity to just, you know, just like bash the Leicester back line. And it's looked sh- like pretty shaky lately. So Anshut hasn't looked as good. And I think they're missing Fofana so bad. Mm-hmm. And, I, and like, dude, this can easily be like a 3-2, 3-3 game, I think. Like it's going to be a goal fest. Um, if not, then, you know, it's going to be like one nil Lester, you know, it, it it's <laughs> one of those. So, so like the, the potential for goals are super high. And I think Brentford are probably fuming that they didn't win that Chelsea game. So honestly, I can, I see more or less a Brentford win here. Hey, I respect that shout. I think really all I'm going off is vibes, which is never a good thing, but <laughs> no, so I just go I look at that, that game dude. and I know that. I look at that game and I know I'm going to have a good time watching it. And, you know, we're going to be out of town this weekend. So I got all these games I'm recording here. I'm going to try my best not to spoil anything and just binge watch them hungover on Sunday, probably. But <laughs> it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm yeah. definitely, definitely looking forward to this next one we got going here. And that's, I mean, what else could it be? Man United, Liverpool. I mean, this podcast has been the Man United show at this point. Uh, <laughs> talking a lot about their woes but one thing that we haven't really mentioned is they still have i would say probably the third strongest squad in the premier league and they have one singular player who i know will turn up here at old trafford versus an old rival and someone i know he dislikes and that's cristiano ronaldo i think i think keeping him from scoring is going to be a task to say the least and you know van dyke has looked pretty decent since coming back given all things considered matt tip robertson that back line is is meshing well together yet again but i just i'm looking at ronaldo and i'm like this man's gonna score and do the loudest see of his entire life <laughs> dude i still i'm definitely back in a liverpool victory here but i don't think it i don't see it as the as the blowout that a lot of people are calling i know that might be spoiling your hot take a little bit but i just just looking at that game it's going to be a a one that you're going to want to watch for sure oh dude definitely and like to see you know ronaldo's back dude now all we just need is uh you know fernando torres to be back at liverpool have you seen have you seen any pictures of him recently that dude is i think he was i think he's managing the atletico uh youth team yeah he is he's crazy he put like he put like 20 pounds of just like upper body just yeah he looks crazy he probably could show up and and do a job here but dude yeah he looks he looks honestly better than you know, half the strikers of the prem. I don't know why no one's calling him up, dude. Just give him a shot. I think what is he like thirty nine? Probably so around there. Yeah. They got they got that one dude. Uh, what Pizarro still playing in the Bundesliga? He's like forty two, scoring goals, dude. Don't matter. True, true. Um, got a little off track, but yeah, dude, this game is going to be 
it's the game of the weekend. You know, anytime it's it's United Liverpool, dude, that's the probably the biggest rivalry in all of the Premier League. I think it's the biggest derby. So, you know, Old Trafford, United look a little shaky. Liverpool, if, you know, they they got their swagger back, man. It, it's gonna be a good one, you know. And always on the hot seat, dude. Oh man, I'm chopping at the bit to watch this one, dude. It's gonna be so good. Definitely, yeah. I think that just about does it for the games we're looking out for. Like we said, uh, we got a decent uh, Friday game, actually, Villa-Arsenal. That could be a solid one to look out for. Uh, yeah. Other than that, though, that Saturday fixture list is just yeah, not looking too good. Honestly, I wouldn't – I guess just maybe watch out for the Crystal Palace-Newcastle game. Get new manager bounce there with Newcastle. Um and then maybe Leeds, Leeds Wolves. Um, Wolves kind of coming off a huge victory the other day. And Leeds lost to Southampton 1-0. Yeah, great job, guys. Nice 4-1 <laughs> victory prediction. God, that was such a terrible prediction, dude. I, <laughs> that was, dude, I was, I'm just ready for Leeds to take off. And they're just not doing it. I know. They, are, they, they just, something's They had not on. a single shot on target versus Southampton there. I guess Southampton, dude. That team. Oh, my God. They that, play garbage ball now, too, above everything else. It's not like they're losing and, like, looking fiery. It just – they're not creating anything. No. And I guess the, the strongest aspect of Southampton is probably their back line with um, Jan uh, – Ber- uh, Be- Jan Betnarek, I think, right? Jan? Yeah. Jan? It doesn't matter. His last name is Betnarek, and he's a pretty solid center half. And, you know, their back line's always can, kind of been solid, um, the guys that they come through there. But – Everything else about that team is pretty much awful, except for Ward Prowse. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we Arsenal, can go. We can sorry. go uh, right into that Arsenal game real quick. Yeah, I was just gonna talk about it just because the teams are about as evenly matched as I can remember the, these two teams specifically being, and really like we've been talking about with Arsenal since basically I've been friends with you. They're capable of either performing and giving you know one of the better performances of the season but they're also more than capable of showing up to this villa side and gifting them a result and that's always going to lead to an entertaining game yeah dude i think last year when villa came to arsenal i think arsenal lost a pretty bad game um but everyone that had you know austin villa come over got throttled for some reason i think even liverpool Oh my you know, god! Yeah, they, they, I was at what was that five two seven two I seven two yeah dude that that was unbelievable that was uh, probably the worst loss I think that is the worst loss under Klopp it is yeah but you know and it's just Jack Greenshite dude that guy yeah, at least Adrian and goal tax for that one <laughs> dude seriously seriously but you know Austin Villa have been very uh, they haven't seemed to found their way yet but they they. They score quick. They're still the same, you know, hard nose side. Kansa, Mings, still just these, you know, big center backs that just – and, you know, Arsenal don't like to, you know, play very physical. They're a very finesse team. So, let's see what happens here. I'm Another game I, I don't really like seeing on the fixture sheet, you know, back-to-back games against, you know, clubs that seem to have our number. You know, if we if we played Norwich every week, dude, we'd you'd be pretty damn good. Probably yeah. finish fifth or something. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lots to look forward to this weekend. I think I'm ready to just go ahead and get into the hot takes and, and wrap this one up here. Good, brother. All right. My first hot take is I, I'm getting vibes that Newcastle are going to put in a stunner of a performance for some reason here against um, you. You touched on a, uh, quickly there uh, against Crystal Palace this weekend. I think they turn up to Crystal Palace here and uh, St. Maximin just goes full vibe mode and just shows out, you know, maybe Callum Wilson chips in, but a lot of, a lot of talk goes into the new manager bounce. And I don't think anybody in that Newcastle dressing room is really going to be looking at their caretaker manager and being like, I want to, I want to go to war for this man. I (laughs) I think just the, the takeover Bruce being gone. I think a lot of good feelings are going around that club right now. And I just, I see him at the very least getting a result, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes a little bit farther than that. And they just, they have a fun performance. Yeah. I think that can definitely be a fun game. Nonetheless, like last uh, St. Maxman's always like, you know, good for at least one wonder goal here and there. So yeah, why can't it be at Selhurst, man? You know, on a nice yeah. little afternoon. So I like that one. That's good. All right. Let's hear your first one here. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, Liverpool just look way, too good right now and united i just i'm just pissed at ollie and i hate united and i have agenda against them so it's three nil the liverpool and most Ollie gets a brace hey i'll never i'll never not smile at the idea of that <laughs> dude a little three oh win there at uh could it be a a repeat of shakiri's brace getting Mourinho sacked a couple years back oh you know? my gosh dude, I remember, dude literally I sacked after the game Shakiri, dude that dude was he's like honestly a wonder sub that just never came on i don't he's yeah using him but uh um, yeah i think a lot of a lot has came out about him but in general i i wouldn't be surprised if you know that's what happens at the weekend like i said though in, in my little talk there i I can't help but look at Ronaldo and think that he won't get a goal. You know, I just – I think he will. Yeah, like that's just like the Ronaldo effect. Like, he just – he goes to – he goes and, and just gets goals. Like, that's just – that's his M.O. So, yeah. it's hard to see them at least not have a goal and him not be, you know, in charge for at least the goal or getting the assist. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I'll just – I'll go ahead and get my last one here. Um, over the week, we saw Pats and Daka back four in the Europa League in a 4-3 win versus Spartak. I mean, scoring four in a 4-3 win, it just has to be the best feeling ever because it's like you are inevitable at that point. But um, I think he goes, and like I said earlier, I think him and the lesser side sort of bring Brentford down back to earth a little bit. And I think that his brace just gets that result that uh, one of these big teams here needs uh, a way to Brentford and, and they're going to get the win there that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely, it, it's just, that's the thing though, with a rotating striker, you have to really hope that he's starting. Yeah. Um, not that like, you know, he can come on as a sub and, you know, <clears throat> Edward, you know, gets a break yeah. against Spurs or something. True. But, um, you know, if DACA, if DACA is as good as we think he is, I, I think he could do that against a, um, a Brentford side that you know, as of quality goes, not the highest, but as form goes, they are the highest. Yeah, I I, can, I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear your last one. Uh, so yeah, kind of a 
this is probably going to be, you know, it's not even that like hot of a take, but it's like that hot of a take. I think Brighton get a draw against City at home in the AMAX. And I just, Brighton are just flying right now. And Potterball is, you know, the best it's ever been. So, and, you know, City, you know, they, they don't need a striker, but they don't have a striker. So that, that kind of concerns me a little bit, especially with a team that plays a back five and a very solidified back five. You know, there's not a whole lot of open holes, you know, in that defense to get past them. And, you know, at with Neil Malpai, he just seems to pull, you know, you know, just magic trick after magic trick. I, you know, a 1-1 draw, I think, is just, you know, bound to happen here. So Yeah, I like that shot a lot. I think that's... That's uh, happened in the past. I, I think Brighton have taken points off of City before. This is one of those, though, that if if City's finishing boots are on, it feels like it could be bad for Brighton. <laughs> yeah, five, one of those, five, one six, of those no. four, five, no. But <laughs> yes. if Brighton play the way they can play and that they have shown how to play mm-hmm. um, this season, absolutely 1-1 one, one is attainable. And it really just comes down to if City come out and are like, all right, let's put the ball in the net because there are some games where – they create, you know, 20 chances and they just can't finish them off. Yeah. But I love that shout. No, and I think a big thing for that game is if, if Basuma is healthy or healthy, healthy, I think he um, he wasn't in the starting lineup last game for Brighton. And, you know, he's a big key to their success. Uh, so if Basuma's in there, he's going to wreak havoc for – you know, that, that whole Manchester city midfield. So, yeah. All right. I think that just about does it for this week. Um, I got nothing else to add, but as always, thank you guys for listening and we look forward to talking to you next week for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Noble podcast. Ben and I would like to thank you for your support and invite you to follow us on Twitter and TikTok at NoBallPod to give us feedback and send in suggestions. Catch you around.